So God speaks in his word, and we are uh, reading scripture from Luke this morning, and it's Luke 11, 1 through 13, the Lord's Prayer. So if you ever wondered where the Lord's Prayer came from, this is it. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will say from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. You know that I love history, and I love uh, church history especially, and um, there was a place that was always uh, maybe a special place to me, uh, important to me, that I, that I always thought, that's the coolest uh, place I could think of if I ever get to see, you know, some kind of historical place, this one's at the top of my list. And, and, and of course, Jerusalem and all of that. But, but for me, I, I, I love um, <clears throat> things that, that kind of happened in, in some of the, the, you know, the Reformation history. And, and I always thought, if I, if I could go see uh, Westminster Cathedral uh, in London, that would, be, that would be really cool. Because there's so many important things that happened uh, there. We know that the Westminster Confessions were written there. I, I think that's a big deal. Uh, historically, it, it is big. Um, I, and so I, I'd, I'd read a, a lot about that. I'd heard a lot about that. I'd, uh, you know, lots of kings had been coronated there. Lots of weddings had happened there. Uh, lots of really important, famous people are buried at Westminster Abbey. Um, and so I always just thought that would be such a neat thing. And I knew a lot about it. Um, I'd seen lots of pictures and, and, and stuff like that, um, but it wasn't until the fall of, of 2017 uh, that I got to go, uh, totally surprised. It was just a kind of a, uh, a last minute, hey, we've got this extra spot on a trip uh, to go to Africa, but we're going to do a stopover in London uh, for, for a day before we fly out to this mission trip. Do you want to go? And I thought, well, I'll pack my bags. I'll be ready in 15 minutes. Um, and so I did get to go. Uh, and can I just tell you that even though I knew a whole lot about this place, this building, um, 
it wasn't until 2017 that I would say I really got to know something about it. Because, because why? Because I experienced it, right? I, I got to sit, I got to sit in the place and I got to reach out. You're not supposed to, but we were, I got to go into a service. They, they did like a, a, a prayer service and, and nobody was in the line for that. Everybody wanted to take the tour. And so we got to go into this little church service there, you know, like a 30-minute little thing. And you're sitting it, and, and, and there's a pew, I mean, a, 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 right here there's like a lectern. And, and on it, it says, used by Thomas Cranmer. And I, of course, had to reach out and touch it because, you know, I couldn't help myself. But uh, if you don't know who Thomas Cranmer is, it's not a big deal. But for me, it was. Um, I'm sitting in that place. I'm experiencing it. It's, it's a whole different thing than, than what I had read about it or, or, or learned about it in, in various ways. It wasn't until I was there and got to experience it that it became a whole different thing to me. Likewise, there are things that we can know about and not really know. There are things probably in your life that you would say, yeah, I, I used to know about driving until I started to drive, or I used to know about whatever it is, and then I, I got to experience it. It was a, a totally different thing for me. Um, and, and this morning we're going to talk about prayer in that same kind of way because I don't know how many sermons you've heard about prayer. Um, I don't know how many sermons I've given about prayer. I don't, I don't know how many, what all you've done in, in terms of this subject, um, but, but if you are a person who prays, you know it's different to pray than it is to learn about praying to read about praying. It's, it's, it's different. There's an experience to it that matters. And so that's what we're headed this morning, uh, experience in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, would you use <clears throat> this time, would you use your word to stir in us something? Father, nothing good comes from my mouth only good can come from you. So, Father, would you uh, use this time as you see fit. Speak to us your truth, not just to our heads, but to our hearts. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we read from the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. It's a short passage. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word and to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Last week we began a series. Um, I I told you we're calling it the, the basics of a spiritual life. Uh, these are the things that, that uh, Scripture teaches are basic, are fundamental to following Christ. Things that, that help us, as we saw last week, train for godliness. That's, that's a command given to us. We're supposed to be training for godliness. And training takes intention, it takes effort, and all of that stuff. Um, if you want to call them spiritual disciplines, you can. Although some people just hate that phrase, and that's okay. These are things that are fundamental to a spiritual life. They are not things that earn us God's love, that earn 
forgiveness, earned salvation. They are in, instead a reaction to God's love, a reaction to what Christ has done for us. They are, they are things we do in response to Him, to know Him more, to follow Him more, to pursue holiness, to train for godliness. And so last week we started with the reading of Scripture as a, a discipline, as a, as a practice. The reading of Scripture. And, and I told you that reading the Word of God is the foundation of knowing Christ and growing in Christ. The first thing, if somebody said, hey, what do I do? I want to know Christ. I want to grow in Christ. I would say, start in the Word. Be in the Word. Be about the Word. Let it be your priority. Reading the Word of God. And this morning, we, we go to a, a next step, and, and, and that is prayer. Prayer. I, I will suggest to you that prayer is connected to the hip of, of Scripture. The, the, the two of them are, are not separated, can't be separated. They need to go together. We, we would say that reading Scripture and prayer should have an inseparable relationship. And so uh, this is a bad analogy, I think, because just of my, my ignorance. But, but if we said that Scripture is the foundation, I, I would suggest to you that without prayer, the foundation won't be tied to the rest of the house. And so maybe it's fair to call prayer the rebar or the footings or somebody else give me a con- good construction word for the spiritual life. Right? You can build a great foundation, but if you don't connect the rest of the house to that foundation, it's just going to go move away. It's not going to stay put. And so I think it's footings and rebar and stuff that help hold the rest of the house to the foundation. And that's prayer. That's what prayer is for us. Um, I, I feel I should first admit that prayer is a, an intimidating topic to discuss for a pastor. Um, being a pastor doesn't necessarily make you an expert in prayer and vice versa. So, so to talk about prayer, it just can be intimidating. There was uh, a famous godly pastor by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, and he was, he was in England. Uh, jo- Jones was really well-known. He was one of the most respected pastors of his day um, and, and, and considered to be you know, one of the most godly, most mature Christians around. And, and, and he was once asked, he wrote a lot of things. He'd, he wrote a lot of books, and, and, um, and somebody asked him, why haven't you ever written a book about prayer? You should do that. His, his response basically was that he did not consider himself adequate enough to talk about the subject. Now, everyone who knew him would say, hey, no, we do know you, and you're no prayer as much or more so than anyone we know. But the point here is that Jones felt like he still had so much more to learn about prayer before he could consider himself an expert, before he was, felt like he was ready to write a book about praying. I feel the same way, except Martin Lloyd-Jones was miles ahead of where I would say that I am uh, in terms of prayer. I don't have a fraction of the knowledge or the experience that Jones had. So, just understand, as we talk about this subject, I'm probably not the expert in the room, and that's okay. We're looking at Scripture, 
and we work together in our experience. But some of you have much more experience, many more years of prayer than I do. Prayer is such a big topic as well, and, and, and we, could, we could honestly do a year-long study on prayer, and there would still be more to know. There would still be more to study. There would still be more to see in Scripture about prayer. If we talked about it every Sunday, there would still be more, still be more. It's a lifelong pursuit. This morning, I'm going to try to stick to the topic of prayer as, as a practice, as a, we've talked about a spiritual discipline, if you want to say that, a basic of, of, of the spiritual life. And, and how do we grow in our spiritual lives? So that, that's going to be kind of the element I stick with to it. I'm not going to talk about the theology of prayer. I'm not going to talk about all the, the like benefits of prayer. There's, there's a, a lot of that kind of stuff we can talk about. But we're going to kind of focus on it as a discipline. And so I'm going to stick to, to what I think we see in, in our two passages this morning, which were uh, Luke uh, 11 and, and Colossians 4. Now, just a reminder, so we saw the Lord's Prayer in uh, Luke 11. We also see it in, 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 the, in the book of Matthew chapter 6. Um, and, and, and that one's the, probably the more known version, the more, the, you know, kind of the, the, the version you see more often. Um, but, but we see it here again in Luke 11. Um, and, and then in, in Colossians 4, it's, it's, it's Paul talking to his friends. And so... Um, so I'm, I'm just going to get straight to the first thing that I think we s- can learn from our passages this morning, and that is prayer is expected. Okay, so if you like to write down points, this is point number one. That is prayer is expected. Jesus talks about prayer many times throughout the Gospels, and it usually starts with something like when you pray or as you are praying. It's not a if you pray or hey, you should try some time to pray. It's as you're praying, when you're praying. The expectation is that we are praying. In, in Luke chapter 18, uh, Jesus tells a story to his disciples. And, and what Luke says is he tells them this story so that they would know that they ought to always pray and never give up. That's, that's, the, that's the little message that Luke cheats and tells us. Hey, this is the point of the story. Jesus wanted them to always pray and never give up. And it's the story of the woman bugging the, bugging the judge for, for a, a verdict, right? That's the story in Luke 18. But we should always pray and never give up. Our, our Luke 11 story is, is similar in that it tells us, hey, just be persistent in prayer. Just like the guy knocking on his neighbor's door over and over. At some point, he's going to be ready to answer. He's going to answer because of your persistence. Colossians 2 tells us to continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. You cannot read Scripture without getting the idea that anybody who wants to follow God and grow in their faith must pray. Please know that I'm not saying this to heap guilt on you or me. That's not the point. I'm saying this because we need to be reminded of it at times. I can forget, you can forget The people who want to grow closer to Jesus must pray. I know that in my life I can think things like, well, some people are just more spiritual than me, and those are the people who pray. Maybe I'm just not supposed to pray like that. Maybe I'm not supposed to be that kind of a prayer person. 
Or prayer doesn't come naturally for me, so that must mean it's just not really my thing and, and I shouldn't really be about it. Maybe, you know, I think we all have thoughts like that at times. And so I need to be reminded, you need to be reminded, prayer is your thing. It's supposed to be your thing. You can't say, man, prayer's just not really for me. Nope, that's not what Scripture teaches. I have to be reminded of that as well. I don't get the liberty to say that. We must fix in our minds that to follow Jesus is to pray. To follow Jesus is to pray. And so, so, by extension, what that means is that prayer must be a commitment. For a person to continue steadfastly, as Paul says, at prayer, it must mean that they're devoted to it. And you guys know what it means to be devoted to something. It, it makes it a priority. It means it's something you're committed to. To, to make something a priority means other things get sacrificed instead of it. Right? So if you're committed to your marriage, that's the priority. There are other things that get cut out of your life for the sake of this bigger priority. And prayer, if we're supposed to be devoted to it and to continue steadfastly in it, that means other things get sacrificed for the sake of it too, just like that. There, there are many things I could say about this, but, but I like the way that Martin Luther says it better. He says, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. This is probably not new information to you, and I, I told you last week a lot of this hopefully will just be reminders, but because we all need to be reminded from time to time. Um, But one of the big implications of, of all of this, that we are expected to be devoted to prayer, is that busyness does not negate this expectation. Busyness does not negate the expectation that we are supposed to be steadfastly devoted to prayer. Meaning, having too little time or too many responsibilities or you, you name it, right? Too many kids in, little kids in my house or... Whatever, whatever we want to come up with, those do not exempt us from the truth that we are supposed to be steadfast and devoted to prayer. Prayer is the priority. And so since most of us probably already know this, maybe this leads to the question that I had in my own mind, which is, well, so why don't we pray like we should, like we know that we should? Why aren't we committed to it like we know Scripture tells us to be? There, there's a lot. We could, we could do a whole series on reasons why we don't pray, and we're not going to do that. But, but some of the common things I can think of, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to see answers. It doesn't feel very tangible or practical. It can feel like a waste of time, right? I've been praying about this thing, and I haven't seen anything dealing with that. He didn't do what I asked for, so maybe I'll just stop. We don't feel the nearness of God at times. I, I feel, some, have you ever said, I feel like I'm talking to the ceiling. Well, I, I don't know that God's even here. Why? I'm talking to the ceiling. Is there a point to this? Or, or maybe other things are, are, are occurring and appearing in our lives more urgently, right? This is, this is an impending doom, an impending disaster. I need to focus on this right now. That prayer thing, can, I can get to it later when I have more time. But this, this is a, a, a near urgent thing. 
It can feel impractical in the face of real-life obligations. These, these are all the things that go in our head when we struggle with prayer, right? So I think it would be good for all of us to sit and evaluate the reasons. If I, if I was to sit by myself and write down the reasons why honestly I struggle with prayer, and you were to sit and write, what are the reasons I honestly struggle with prayer? Some of them would be the same as these. Some of them may be different, right? They might be dealing with past hurts or past unanswered prayers or disappointment with God or, or, or fear of, of talking to him face to face. You know, there, there, there's lots. There's some value to that. But let me give you a solution. I, I do think that one of the, the, the most helpful things uh, when, we, when we talk about how do I pray more uh, is, is, is to focus on the wonder of God, to focus on the truth of the gospel. You see, when we stop and we remember who God is, and when we stop and remember the wonder of this good news of the gospel, we can't help but turn our hearts to him. If we truly understand, if we truly appreciate the gospel, it should, it should tune our hearts, right, as we like to sing about. Tuning our hearts. That's what should happen when we think about the things of God. We should want to talk to him. We should want to reach out to him. Focusing. Tim Keller says, one who does those things will seldom struggle to pray. Keller once wrote that prayer is simply a recognition of the greatness of God. Prayer is simply a recognition of the greatness of God. And, and, I, and I, I, I'm so thankful that he, he gives us that definition because it's helpful to me. He, he goes on to say, failing to pray is failing to treat God as God. And you get what he means, right? When we say, I'm too busy to pray, that's not treating God as the most important thing. When we say, oh, I've got this, these important matters, these things are bigger to deal with right now, I've got to focus on this and not prayer. What have we done? We've, we've taken God from his place and, and, and we've put him elsewhere than where he should be. Failing to pray is failing to treat God as God. When I say I'm too busy, I say that God is less important than these things. I have too much to do. It sounds awful as I say it out loud, right? If we were to admit that we do that, oh, God, I'm too busy for you today. I've got these other things. I've made those things a priority over him. It sounds terrible to say, but it's what we do. It's failing to treat God as God. I must remember that there is nothing more important. And when I remember that all that has been done for me through Jesus, my heart changes a little bit. And, and, and I have more of a desire to spend time in prayer with Him. One obstacle that, that, I, that I've had, and I know some of you probably have had at times, is, is that, well, I'm not sure really what to pray about. I kind of get in this you know, too much of a habit or a routine or something, and, and I just don't even know what to say. I, I decided to help you with that and help me with that. Um, I created a little cheat sheet 
Okay, so it's just a little half sheet there in the back if you want to pick one up later. And it's just got some pointers on prayer. It's got a few, you know, like the Lord's Prayer on it and, and just kind of some, uh, some helpful patterns to, to pray. I use Acts, the A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. It explains it on this little cheat sheet. Um, it's just a helpful pattern for me so that I'm just not going straight into asking God for stuff. But I remember to start by praising Him remembering who he is and, and things like that. So, um, and then also, uh, just a few things for the week, because I can get stuck in, oh, I'm thinking about this one thing. And so there's just a few things of, hey, it's Sunday, you should maybe pray for this. Monday, pray for this. Tuesday, just some other things to be thinking about. This is a very small, simple, incomplete list, and it's very, very basic. But if it's helpful for you, take it. If it's not, don't worry about it. Um, but if it's something that helps you get into a better routine, a better pattern, that is how we can commit. That is how we can develop uh, a, a, a routine of prayer. How we can be more devoted and committed to it. It's, it may be a simple reminder. Leave it in your Bible. And then you can be your bookmark. And so as you come to Scripture, oh, this is something I can pray. If, if it's helpful, they're back there. Little blue sheet. They're next to the Scripture things that I gave you last week as well. There's also, uh, our church every week has a little prayer card about people in our church. So, you can take this, you can also take one of those, and, and there are people to be praying for specifically about some needs that they have. So that's just a, a few things that might be helpful for you. Um, so, just a little organization to help you be reminded. Here's some different things to pray about that maybe I don't normally pray about. Okay, so number two, if you're writing things down, number two, the thing I think we see in our passages is that prayer is learned. So prayer is expected, and then second thing is that prayer is learned. No one is born a natural at prayer. Prayer takes work, and it takes practice. Uh, and, and so just a, a couple of things that I want to quickly note uh, on this point, and, and that is, you guys are from, know this, but is it, is it easy to eat healthy when you have not been eating healthy? No. Right? When you're used to french fries and cheeseburgers, it's hard to go, man, I'm really going to be disciplined and go for a, something else other than that, right? a salad or whatever. It's hard. It's much easier when you're in the, the habit of it and the pattern of it. You, you all have done this in your life, right? I, I've cut out something, and, and you find yourself getting better at it. Prayer is the same way. Is it, is it easy when you haven't been doing anything physical, you've been laying on the couch like a big bum for a month to get up and, man, I'm going to go work out now. I'm going to go run a 5K. No, no, it's not. And, and so jumping into something like that is harder. It starts to get easier the more and more of a good habit and the more routine you have. Those things get easier, right? And prayer is just the same way. So if you haven't prayed in a month, to get up and pray is going to feel foreign and weird and hard. And that's okay. We're baby steps back into it. If it's something that you're not familiar with, if it's something that you're out of the practice of, it will take some work, it will take some routine, it will take some discipline, but it's worth it. So, the second thing, and the same with this, is that, you know, how is prayer learned? If I, if I said, hey, I, I, you know, choir folks, I really want to get better at singing, or, hey, I really want to get better at the guitar. I think I'm going to go read a book about it. I think I'm going to go watch some YouTube videos about getting better at guitar. 
What's the piece that I'm missing? The doing it, right? The, the, the actual doing. If I said, I said Kathy, how do I get better at singing? She was able to start singing. You can, we can work on it from there, but you got to start. You got to start singing it and you'll learn. You got to start practicing the piano or the guitar or the anything. You can read a ton about it and there's some value to it. You can watch some YouTube videos and there's some value to that. But if you really want to get better, you actually have to do it. And the same is true for prayer. If you want to get better at prayer, start praying. If you want to learn how to pray, start praying. Start praying with others who know how to pray. That's, that's where I've learned more about prayer than being with people who know way more about it than me and listening to them pray. And I think, wow, not just words. Right? I'm not just trying to mimic people's words, but, but seeing how they approach it, seeing how they go about it, seeing their devotion to it. There's value to it. Praying around others. That's how we make progress. That's how we grow in prayer is pray. You can fine-tune the thing as you go. You can get better at it as you go. But you get started. And there are tons of amazing books out there. I, I counted this week how many books I own ab- about prayer, and I stopped counting at 25. And those can be helpful. Right? And if you need a good recommendation of, I don't know anything about prayer, ca- sure, I can give you some recommendation. But don't use that instead of starting to just to pray. The Lord taught us how to pray in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6. So just pray like this. This is a great place to start. But nothing teaches us about prayer like actually praying. And so th- this kind of leads me to, to another thing that I want to mention in, in this area uh, in terms of practice. Another way we get better at it is by using Scripture. By using Scripture. Some people call this the, me- the missing link in our spiritual lives, praying Scripture. I've said they were, you know, they're supposed to be joined at the hip. They're not supposed to be one without the other. It looks as though, if you read through the Psalms, it looks as if if you read through the Bible and you see people praying, they pray Scripture. They are together. There's not one without the other. That's, it's a blended thing, praying Scripture. Because you see, if, if the Bible's our foundation, and, and I said prayer is the rebar, right? How do those two things get joined? Because you can read a lot of the Bible and not grow close to Christ. There's lots of people that read the Bible as literature, and it doesn't do anything for them. There's, there's no heart change in that. You have to spend time in the Word praying through it, meditating on it, spending time thinking about what it means and, 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 and what God has done and, and, and how that looks in your own life and what it means for you. Reading Scripture and then praying about what you just read. The Psalms call this meditating, and I, I kind of mentioned this in other places. Some people kind of get panicked by that word because of other New Eastern or Eastern religions and you know, New Age things talk about meditation— what, we, what the Psalms talk about meditation is simply spending time thinking about the Scriptures. It's not emptying yourself and having some kind of weird mantra. and That's not anything that we're talking about when we talk about meditating on Scripture. It's reading it and then praying about it. Reading it and praying about it. Reading and thinking. And, and God, what are you saying here? What does this mean? Move in my heart. Let me be changed by your word. That's meditation. Okay, so when you hear Christians use the word meditation, that's what it's supposed to mean. 
It's good to read scripture. I gave you a scripture plan last week, but I would say don't do it aside from praying. Don't just read the scripture. Pray too. Do both together. Read and then think about it. Read and then use that to, to be the thing you stew on it all day long. What did I just read? God, what, what's happening here? How do I appreciate this? How does this impact my life? What change are you wanting from in my heart? Somebody that I know that's really good at blending Scripture in prayer, he's not here this morning, but Mike. Uh, Mike is, is, is really good at, at that. And so one of the things that he and I have talked about, he's going to start teaching a new Sunday school class on, on praying the Scriptures, meditating on the Scriptures. And so that's going to start next Sunday in Classroom 1. Uh, doesn't ha- it, it's not for everybody, but it might be f- something that would be helpful for you. And I would encourage you, if that's something you want to learn more about, how do I make the most of Scripture? How do I get it to teach me? 845, Classroom 1, he's going to be doing that class for a while. How do you meditate on the scriptures. Check out that class. Learning how do we apply God's truth? How does it impact our heart? How does it impact our prayer lives? It'll be a great, uh, a great thing for you to go do. Okay, number three. The third point that I want to make from our passage is that prayer is answered. So prayer is expected, prayer is learned, and then prayer is answered. Thirdly, Paul wants his friends to pray for him in Colossians 2. Why? Because he wants the lip service? Because he thinks it's a worthless exercise? No. Paul thinks it's valuable. He wants his friends to pray for him because he thinks there's value in it. And, and, and we give each other lip service. Hey, I've been praying for you this week. Or, oh yeah, would you be praying about me? Oh yeah, I'll pray for you. It, it, it just kind of is something that culturally we do because it sounds polite. And, and, and we're all guilty of, of you know, kind of not making it mean as much as it should. Or, or carrying it out like we said we will. And all that kind of stuff. But Paul is telling his friends, please be praying for me. Because he knows that it matters. He knows that it has value. He knows that prayer is answered. He knows that God cares about the prayers of his people. Jesus tells his friends in, in Luke 11 and in Luke 18 and elsewhere that they should keep on praying because Jesus knows that it matters. He knows that prayer is a big deal. And if Jesus thinks that prayer is a big deal and Paul thinks that prayer is a big deal and expects that some, there's some value to it, that, that God answers prayer, then guess what? We should as well. Believe that prayer is answered. And I don't always know how. We might always not see how. It's something bigger than us. We can't write out the formula how this works. But we're called to believe that God answers prayer. And we're supposed to pray that way. Uh, It's a long quote, but it's one that I love from Charles Spurgeon. And and he, he famously said one time, I cannot imagine any one of you tantalizing your child by exciting him in a desire that you do not intend to gratify. It were a very ungenerous thing to offer alms to the poor and then withhold it when they stick their hand out for it and to mock their poverty with a denial. It were a cruel addition addition to the misery of the sick if they were taken to the hospital and there left to die untended and uncared for. Where God leads you to pray, He means you to receive. You get what he's saying? 
God tells us to pray about everything at all times, be committed to it. If he were doing that and didn't have any intention, then that makes him cruel. But what do we know from our passage that we just read in Luke 11? That God is not cruel. He says that God is a good father. He says, look, even you guys are bad fathers, and you know that if your son asks for for good things, you're not going to give him bad things. If he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. Nobody does that unless they're cruel. And God doesn't do that. He's a good father. God is not torturing us and commanding us to pray. He wants us to pray because it matters and because he answers prayer. And so here's the last thing I want to mention, and then I'm going to be done. The gospel changes the way we should think about prayer. See, prayer, thanks to the gospel, is not something that is counted against us or is held over our heads. I, I don't know about you, but there are times that I beat myself up over, oh, I didn't pray today. God must hate me. I've been in a really bad season of prayer right now. I, I, God must really be angry with me. He's going to punish me. That's not what the gospel says. God does not hold it over our heads. That's not what prayer is. It is a stick to hold over our heads to beat us with. Because of the finished work of Jesus, he is for us. Jesus is for you. He's not torturing you. He's not taunting you. He's for you. Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25 are both places where, where we find out that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It says he's always interceding for us. He's always praying on our behalf forever. That's a big deal because of the gospel. You see, now the gospel makes prayer a privilege. You and I are no longer enemies of God and, and, and so he invites us openly to come into his presence. And so while prayer is a, a discipline and it takes devotion and it takes practice and it takes work at times, we, we must think about it differently um, than we might be tempted to. As, as this boring chore that, that God is, you know, grudgingly forcing me into. Instead, I want you to see it as an open invitation from the God of the universe. As your Savior who wants to meet with you. To to hear from you and to work in your heart through time spent together. That's an amazing privilege because of the work of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we, we keep our hearts from you too often. We don't pray like you have told us to. We, uh, we don't make it the commitment and the priority in our lives like we should. God, but instead of beating, uh, us beating ourselves up about that, instead of us uh, hiding as a result of guilt, would you help us to see it differently? Would you help to see, us to see this open invitation from the Creator? Would you help us to approach you in freedom and forgiveness because of Christ? That would make all the difference, knowing that Christ is for us. You are for us. You are not meaning to punish and judge and torment and taunt us. You are a good Father who wants us to pray. 
wants us to know you, who wants us to offer our hearts to you in communication, who wants us to be changed by your word, by scripture, and by praying through that word. Help us, God. Let this be a season for us that's new, that's different, maybe, maybe more, uh, more of a heart, more of a passion for, for prayer and, and scripture than we've had in, in other times in our lives. Seeing it in the freedom in which it's offered through Jesus. Father, thank you. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.